0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Real Blend, a podcast that read the description of the new Christopher Nolan project and immediately burst into flames. Tell me you guys have read it. Do you guys hear what it's about?
1: Well, yeah, I read it and I I, I almost like screamed at the top of my lungs. It's like the greatest it's the greatest description of a movie I've ever heard in my entire life. I just
2: really hope that the title is good, because whatever it is, Kevin's going to be shouting it at the end of every Real Blend (laughs) episode. So I just hope that the title is catchy.
0: Guys, it's a Warner Brothers movie, which means we're going to get Nolan eventually. I just want to let everybody know that the only goal of this podcast from here on out is to get Christopher Nolan on as a guest. That's the only reason why we are existing now. And we will only do this until we get Nolan. And then after, I think, just pull the plug. And then just pull the plug. But
1: Nolan has to say Dunkirk in sync with me at the end of the show. No, he doesn't have to say it. He
2: has to shout it. At the top (laughs) of his talented lungs, I want him to scream the word Dunkirk. And then that will be the final episode. That will be the equivalent of Jack's
1: eye closing at the end of Lost. We we would not need to do any more real blends shows if that happens. So I don't know. I would want to do, do that.
0: the I would not want to do the episode after that one would be <laughs> <Yeah>. so anticlimactic. <laughs> All right. Anyway, introductions. My name is Sean O'Connell. I'm the managing director here at Cinema Blend, and this, my fellow blenders, is episode number 59 of our weekly podcast. Joining me, as always, for this discussion of burgers and every once in a while film is Jake Hamilton, the entertainment reporter of Fox 32 in Chicago. Hello, Jake. How are you?
2: Hello, my friend, in uh, in sunny Los Angeles. How are things there? I can literally my, see the sun shining
0: on your face. Once we finish, I get to run to In-N-Out, which I know makes Kevin McCarthy very happy. Kevin Why? McCarthy of Fox 5 in Washington, D.C. Hi, Kevin. How, How are you? Do so good a morning
1: thing? or afternoon, Sean. Yeah, and I think yes. that uh, the In-N-Out's a very smart choice. Don't listen to anything Jake says. And also, when you're in Austin <laughs> this weekend for South by Southwest, don't go to Waterburger. Just go to In-N-Out. They also have In-N-Outs there. So you're good to go there as well.
0: I want to do Tex-Mex and like barbecue. Like I don't go to Austin to eat burgers, but, but I will get one tonight. I'm very much looking forward to that. And I'll put pictures up on the Facebook. Ah, in this week's episode, we are going to have very brief Captain Marvel reactions. Uh, that movie opens this weekend. Only one of us has seen it. Jake's going uh, after we finish this. I'm going to go see it later on. We'll have a South by Southwest preview. Later on in the episode, we are playing hashtag... Chivo Blend. So I hope everybody was thinking about one of the greatest cinematographers of all time and trying to figure out which of his movies uh, you would choose as your favorite. But we start each episode with reviews. I know we had two. Gabe cut one for time. We are racing through some stuff, so we will get another one posted up later. If you guys want to hit us up for a review, we can uh, post them on the Apple iTunes page. You also can email them to us. We're getting a lot of them coming in through email now. It's RealBlend at cinemablend.com. This one was posted to Gabe. I don't know. This was this one of those international ones that we sort of triggered after the fact, and it Gabe, Gabe has no idea. He doesn't. He doesn't. He found this one Gabe's somehow. checked out. It came from. We lost Gabe name. around episode forty eight. This one's called uh, Awesome Show by Infinite CDP. And they said, hi, guys. I'm from Puerto Rico. I really enjoy your show. It's exciting hearing you all talk so passionately about movies. It's pretty clear. You people really love what you do. Been hearing you since episode one. It's amazing. It's been more than a year. Please keep doing such a wonderful job. Just wanted to let you know that I also like that almost all of the episodes don't have the E explicit on them. It's quite hard to find good podcasts that don't. I will say I'm going to break character just briefly to let you know that when we do get the E, it's normally Jake. Jake usually will throw out some type of nasty word that derails the podcast. Uh, I think
2: all of our E's have been as a result of me. I kind of wear that as
1: a as a as a scarlet letter, except it's not an A, it's an E, it's an E. Do you guys remember? Uh, when, I don't know if you guys had this when you were kids, but when I was when I was younger, I always wanted to get like albums that had parental advisories on them. The explicit lyrics were explicit content and my mom and dad wouldn't let me get it. So I remember going to my aunt and uncle's in New York to visit them and I was 10 and I made my uncle buy me a Rage Against the Machine Evil Empire Mm -hmm. album that had parental advisory on it. When I got home... My mom and dad had already gone through my entire room and found every explicit CD that I had. <laughs> and my mom—I'll never forget Jill. my mom. My mom ripped out this photo of Kurt Cobain from my my Nirvana Nevermind album, which wasn't even parental advisory, just because he was flicking the camera off. uh I don't know why I just thought about. Well, what that, he's not telling yeah. you is
2: that was two weeks ago.
1: Yeah, that was two weeks ago. <laughs> no, but the, the, that's what I think about when I see the E pop up. It reminds me of. The explicit content CDs back in the day. I don't know why. I'll
0: do you one better. When we were growing up, uh, I was on Long Island, and there was a newspaper called the Long Island Catholic. My mom is very, very Catholic, and she would use that as a guide about what movies I could see or not see. And their rating scale was the weirdest thing. It was like A's and O's and E's, and O was like offensive or some such thing and so anything that got an o like i had to wait for the long island catholic to get delivered and see what they gave the movie that i was dying to see and if it got an wow. o i'd be like no
2: i can't no know why jesus you- doesn't want me to see this movie
1: <laughs> <laughs> i'll, yeah. I'll one-up you on that crazy story i'll keep i'll keep i'll be, keep it quick yeah, um, my mom and my mom and dad, they would let me go to R rated movies, but they would be very I don't know if you guys had the same thing. I, I don't know if we discussed this in the show before, but anytime a movie had violence, it was fine. But if it was sex and nudity, I was not allowed to see yeah. it. So Isn't that I, remember going to see, I remember I remember going to see The Rock with my mom and dad and my brother and my, my dad called the manager aside and said, is there any sexual content in this film? And he, and, the, and the, the manager explained that scene with Nick Cage and his, uh, his soon-to-be wife uh, yeah. before he leaves to go to The Rock. The roof. It's and the only reason I, I haven't shown
0: dad, PJ that movie yet, to be honest.
1: Yeah, my dad, my dad covered my eyes. Same thing happened in True Lies. They covered <laughs> my eyes during the uh, Jamie Lee Curtis dancing sequence. So uh, this website came out when I was a kid called ScreenIt.com. And the gentleman's name who runs that site is Jim. And he would literally break down the movie, like 300 F words, you know, 200 S words, every violent scene, every sex scene. So that's what they would use to judge if I could see the movie. Turns out, and this is not, this is, this is 100% true. When I first started doing movie reviews in the DC area, he was a critic at every one of my screenings. I see him every day. That's awesome. No way. So it's his fault that I didn't get to see He's still doing
0: it? Can you imagine how OCD that guy is? He's doing every single thing that goes through.
1: I got to give Jim credit. I was at a press conference one time for Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, God. And, His review and, and, wow. must have been seven hours long. Well, Jim counted, I think it was over 500, and I brought it up to Scorsese because someone brought up how many F-words were in the movie, so I got to use Jim's number. I'll never forget that. He was
0: very happy. That's hilarious. Uh, I would imagine that movie turned Jim into dust, like a Thanos (laughs) snap.
1: Jim's awesome, by the way. Check him out. Screenit.com is really Uh, cool.
0: Infinite CDP concludes this review, uh, which, again, got his way off track, with two thumbs way up. Thanks a lot. P.S. Not written by Kevin's mother. So <laughs> this is becoming the new dunk. That's exactly uh, what
2: Kevin's mother would say. Yeah. We are
0: going to run into news talking points, and we have to start with that Nolan. Um, and so Nolan, all right, I'm going to read the tweet. I can't, specifically. I can't handle it. I, this it can't. came from <laughs> Production Weekly, and the minute that I saw it, I was like, this is going to lead real blend. Uh, they have uh, DP Hoyt Van Hoytema.
1: Who, by the way, brilliantly photographed Interstellar, and Dunkirk. Wally Fister was his original cinematographer through right. uh, Dark Knight Rises. Why does he not work with Fister anymore? Fister went off to make a movie called Transcendence, right? and then I think he decided he wanted to become more of a director because I think Nolan was his DP, his own DP on Following, and then Fister, I think, shot Memento through Dark Knight Rises, and then Hoyt came on for Interstellar. Uh, but yeah, I think Wally wanted to be a director. I think Transcendence was the reason why he didn't do Interstellar.
0: Well, anyway, you hear the name Hoyt Van Hoytema, you sit up a little bit straighter in your chair. Yeah. And then you, you continue to read, is planning to re-team with Christopher Nolan, and you sit up even, even further. You start to edge to the edge of your seat to see, what is this going to be? On his upcoming production scheduled to begin filming this June, the Warner Brothers feature is described as a romantic thriller, North by Northwest in tone meets Inception. And I don't know what that is, but I literally want to stand outside my multiplex right now and, and just wait for it to arrive. Because it, it, it comes, comes out doing in Hitchcock. November of
2: next year? Uh, Yeah. 2020, so. yeah. yeah. So, summer So we've got to hear Kevin talk about this for 18 months.
1: <laughs> I, don't I already care. have a release date. Before it even comes out. Is that intimidating for a filmmaker if your movie already has a release date, you haven't even started shooting it yet? Not That's got to be well, Weird.
0: I mean, if you're not Nolan who has his hand in every facet of production, yeah, I would be stressed out if like someone gave me a release date and I didn't have a script, but clearly he's piloting this ship from start to finish and he must have the complete script in mind and know exactly what he wants to do and yeah, it's going to be amazing. If it Why feels he like just- he's finally doing Hitchcock, I'm I, I'm going to I'm going to implode. I'm gonna he sh- he should just call the movie north by
1: northwest meets inception like i i don't understand why you wouldn't do that it's just unfortunately be hard
2: because out probably the uh <laughs> average moviegoer hasn't seen north by northwest
0: <laughs> well then listen guys if you haven't up till this point and you're listening to this podcast I, I hate to think poorly of
2: people and i know i'm always the glass half empty guy on this podcast but i i there was a, a poll that came out not too long ago about the uh most popular movies people lie about having seen and the godfather mm. was number one and it just it makes me wonder how many people i've talked to about the godfather that were lying to me
0: north by northwest is literally my favorite hitchcock it has really? everything yeah it did, has everything we that i love we? We, we, um, we did we did best we need, we we need best to go back
2: and, and redo favorites on some of these wait what, you, will, what
1: is your favorite hitchcock movie uh, wait are we well i don't want to reveal hey, it no, fi- just say well, it. favorite favorite my favorite mine's, Hitchcock mine, is Psycho. Mine's Rope. Rope is great, great too. Yeah. But I think is his best movie. So it's, uh, it's interesting.
0: Yeah. All right. South by Southwest. I am in L.A. currently um, for a, seeing a movie that I can't quite talk about just yet. I, 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 know, I know what really it is. I see. know what it is. Well, you do. Um, and then shortly after that, I'm going to Austin uh, for South by Southwest. And if you're listening to this now and haven't yet heard, we're going to do a very small uh, real blend meetup with just me because i'm the one who's going hey hey and hey don't
2: say just you it's with wh- you
0: well i'm sad that i couldn't convince you guys to go and now you know it's just going to be anticlimactic because it's like a partial meetup um and we're going to have details of a full meetup at the end of the show so keep listening um we call that a tease uh, kevin I, at what point wanna-
2: should we start telling sean that we've been doing meetups every week without him
1: Hmm. This is true. We did one in New York last yeah. weekend when we were there for Triple yeah. Frontier. Gabe ben was Affleck there. Came to it. Yeah, that Affleck. Gabe was there. Uh, it was awesome. Gabe got second billing That's <laughs> yeah, fair.
0: I can see that happening. Um, so, if you want details for the Friday night, we're going to do this Friday night this coming Friday, uh, which is the eighth uh, of March. Um, we're going to see us, uh, which is having its world premiere at South by Southwest, and then we're going to have a meetup afterwards. Email us at realblend at cinemablend.com, and Gabe or myself will get you the details about what we're, where we're planning to meet. So hopefully you're listening to this. So uh, I would like to point out, though, I'm not, yes. not going back to my home state because
2: I'm a jerk. I Friday night, I am emceeing uh, a fundraiser for animal shelters in Chicago. So if there were ever a reason for me not to be at the meetup, it is because I'm saving literally a room full of puppies. So there you go.
0: And that is something that you are very dedicated to. I love that you're, you have that, was it, pause? Pause of Chicago? Pause, or yeah. That? Pause. Pause, yeah. That's awesome. Um, we're going to have merchandise. I don't know, Gabe, am I going to have merchandise? Merch! To bring? Yes, oh, I'm gonna have stuff to give away. Good. Okay, so if anybody comes, uh, Wait, I, have I, don't, I haven't even gotten any of this stuff yet. Real blend stuff. Well, you guys don't want And I'm want the fourth this. most popular guy on the show. <laughs> no, the two most popular listeners are gonna get some merchandise because I believe they're both coming. So, Can I ask a stupid question? Of course. Forgive my,
1: for, forgive my ignorance there and not doing questions. a bit. Was South by Southwest an homage to North by Northwest?
0: Yes, I believe it is. Okay. I was yeah. just curious. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's where they got their name from.
1: Is that? Is that um, what, okay. I, I didn't know if it had something to do with Texas or where it's located or whatever. I don't know. I think they it, stole it's an interesting festival. Shot. Okay. All right. I was just curious.
0: It's a fun time. So the other movies that are sort of showing there. So Us really is the biggest title that seems to be going. It's going to kick off on Friday. Um, I think you guys get to see it shortly afterwards. Long Shot is coming. That's the Charlize Theron, Seth Rogen. Romantic comedy. That's going to get an early screening. Uh, Olivia Wilde is bringing her directorial debut, Booksmart. Uh, I want to see that. Netflix is going to have a movie there called uh, The Highwaymen. And I just found out right before this podcast started recording that I'm going to do a TV interview on Monday with Woody Harrelson and Kevin Costner paired. Damn. So I'm very excited about that. That's going to That's be a good awesome. room to go into. Uh, That's huge. And what else is going to be there?
1: Um, ask uh, Ask if oh, maybe- So. Ask, ask, Woody Harrelson if, ask Woody Harrelson if he thinks Bill Durham is a natural-born killer. That should be your opening question.
0: It's not a bad one. I was going to actually ask Costner about the tornado scene in Man of Steel and ask him uh, if, if it was Good. embarrassing to shoot as it is to <laughs> Please,
1: watch. I freaking dare you to ask that question. <laughs> that's an amazing scene. That's, that's one of the best scenes
0: in the, in the DCEU. I love that scene. Mm, Lord have mercy. All right, well, we will get to all of the South by... Oh, South by ends uh and the weekend of the 15th and 17th with two really anticipated ones one is curse of la la, la Lorena? la 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 yeah la lorena la la, la, i don't know how to pronounce it james
1: wan produced it and yeah. pet
0: cemetery what well, i'm really excited to see pet cemetery which is the stephen king remake
1: is jordan peel going to be there at the at the uh oh is he introducing the film
0: I believe so. Yeah. I think they'll do a carpet. They usually do a carpet in front of the Paramount Theater. Um, We're potentially getting an interview with Winston Duke. I think Winston and Lupita are going to be there. Mm. Uh, Probably the kids too. So we're putting some things together. But yeah, that's the big splashy world premiere for it. So I'm excited. Can you, can you, if you see Jordan Peele, can you ask him a question for me? Of course I can. I'd love to. Yes. I,
1: I read a story the other day and I wasn't sure if it was true and I wanted to get him to confirm it. Okay. Uh, his favorite Hugh Jackman movie, and I was very—I was just curious about it. Have you heard about this? No, I have not heard. Oh. What is it? <laughs> Jordan Real Peel.
0: <laughs> Wait, I don't know if I get it. I
1: Real get Steel. It. Remember the Real, movie Real Steel? Real. Oh, Steel.
2: God, they're getting worse.
0: Oh, Kevin. <laughs> and
2: they were really never hurt. that good. It really hurt. And they're all right. Worse. I want to
0: bring back a conversation uh, topic that we have dabbled in. Uh, off and on, but something sort of major changed to make us bring it back up. And this is the Netflix versus theaters. And it's kind of been interesting to, if you listen to this uh, podcast since episode one, and I don't think I'm throwing Kevin under the bus when I say this, Kevin was uh, very staunchly in defense of theatrical, the theatrical experience. And I think I was next to him the moment that he started to waver which was at the Roma Q&A when Yalitza explained how far away from a theater she is, her family would be in Mexico and that family members would not even be able to go see Roma. Now, I know Jake would say that that's a blessing, Um, but Netflix brings... Uh, these films to places that don't have access to theaters or can't afford to go to a movie. And I actually saw Kevin like wake up to that and realize like, wow, that is a really great point that I probably never considered. And also over the course of that, Netflix has done a lot more to get movies into theaters. And it seems like that model is shifting and changing by the day. Triple Frontier is a movie we're gonna discuss briefly later, which is going to get uh, a week-long theatrical release before it reaches the streaming service. I know there's already headlines about Scorsese's movie, The Irishman, getting a pretty wide theatrical release, and I can't imagine why it wouldn't. And and so Netflix is, is engaging in this debate with none other than patron saint Steven Spielberg. And I'm afraid that we may have to, as Jake blesses himself, we may have to disagree with Spielberg on this. Um, I have not spoken to you guys about this. Spielberg says he doesn't want streaming movies to be eligible for Oscars at all. Do you guys agree with this, or is he drawing a line in the sand that's a little bit too hard and fast?
2: I think he's drawing a line in the sand, especially considering that one of his first major movies, Duel, was a made-for-TV movie that then got a theatrical release. Mm -hmm. Um, I think what would be interesting is Spielberg wants to make a passion project, and no one wants to finance it except Netflix, and then all of a sudden, I feel like he would change his tune. Um, now, and I would I really, say that
0: that would never happen, but the fact that it's happening to Scorsese. It happened to Scorsese. Yeah. yeah.
2: My thing is, if it can happen to Scorsese and Alfonso Cuaron, it can happen to anybody. And, and it really makes me wonder what's going on with Spielberg and Scorsese's relationship right now, because they're friends. And oh, yeah. essentially what he's saying is, I don't think my best friend's movie should be, available, uh, should be eligible for an Oscar. And Scorsese, and Scorsese can't says he- be too happy about that
0: is adamant about film preservation. Like there's always been a flag that he's waved. But according to reports, and none of us really know 100% for sure, but he tried to get the budget for the Irishman pushed forward. He needed to spend a lot of money on the de-aging process for all the characters involved. It's a story that spans multiple decades. And the only one who would give him the money to do it was Netflix. And uh, what I find odd about this conversation is that Spielberg is being adamant and bullish at a time when it almost seems like we're about to turn the corner and, and start to yeah, solve we're here. the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Like the theatrical is happening for a lot of these movies. I don't know anything about the Bay movie, but I would assume Bay is going to get it into theaters. Uh, I mean, even know, if Netflix, you remember, no? the
2: Irishman trailer that debuted during the Oscars at first said in theaters, and then there was a beat, uh, and then it said and available on Netflix. Like they're right. pushing, you know, uh, Triple Frontier opens in theaters this week and then goes to Netflix next. So they're essentially saying like, look, okay, we'll do an exclusive theatrical release. Maybe we're not going to do it as long as you want us to, but we'll do it and then we'll put it on Netflix. To me, that is that is finding a middle ground. No, they're not going to put it out there for 4 months and then put it on Netflix. That's the whole point of Netflix is that instantaneous gratification. But they're they're playing ball. They're they're given a week, they're given 2 weeks and to me that's that's fair. That's playing the game. What is the difference between that and putting a movie in theaters, in two theaters, for a week before the year ends to make it eligible for Oscars. And then putting it in theaters a month later.
0: 100%. And has Spielberg done that with any of his movies? I would feel like some of his prestige I'm sure, pictures got like... I think got, the, like, the
2: Post did not come out in Chicago until January. They okay. did one of those yeah. like New York, LA things on Christmas Day. And then it opened nationwide in January. Right. And got nominated for 10 Oscars or however many. And Spielberg showed
1: up. He had no problem with that.
0: Kevin, Kevin where what do you are you think? on this? You're very silent. I just...
1: I find it very interesting. I don't understand why Spielberg's even saying this um, because we already have the best of both worlds from Netflix. Um, it's already happening. We already are getting a theatrical window and then the streaming release. Uh, Roma was in theaters, I think, three weeks before the theatrical, the streaming release. Trevor um, Frontier is doing a one week prior. Um, in my opinion, you are giving the audience the choice whether or not they want to go to the theater or not. Now, I'm... I'm like a Spielberg in the sense that I prefer the theatrical experience. That's the only time in my life I'll ever compare myself to Spielberg. But what I mean by that is when Roma was in theaters and it was also streaming on Netflix, two of my best friends in college, Josh and Sean, they wanted to see Roma. And they were getting ready to watch it on their TVs at home. And I said, no, 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 no. Let me pay for you guys. Let's go into D.C. I want you guys to see it on a big screen. Now, that was a choice. We all we made it we made a decision to go to the theater. So but like to Jake's point when a movie's released it one week before December 31st in one theater in New York and LA that's le- way less than anything Roma did. Roma was in wide theaters. I mean I don't know how many theaters but it was enough theaters for three weeks, there were at least two or three of them in the D.C. area that I know of. In L.A., they did a 70 millimeter release of that Chicago, movie. Chicago,
2: they did 70 millimeter.
1: Yeah, so it, it, it it's fascinating to me that he's even saying this because, see, I would actually side with him if there wasn't a theatrical window. So that that's where that's where it, this is where it gets interesting. So like when the podcast first started, I don't know where Netflix was at the time. That's how but, long we've been doing this
2: podcast. Is that the rules have we've been doing yeah. it long enough so that the rules have changed?
1: Yeah, and, and I remember, I, I remember, like, I, I'm a gigantic theatrical film advocate. I will not watch Triple Frontier on Netflix before I see it in theaters, which I, I saw it in theaters first. I will see Irishman in theaters. If I didn't get to see Irishman as a press screening, I would not watch it at home on my TV. I would go to the theater to see Scorsese's movie. So I find it interesting that we we are already at a time where we've reached a happy medium. We are in the age where it exists. So, for example, why if Scorsese's Scorsese's making a movie for Netflix for 175 million dollars and it's going to be in theaters prior to streaming or day of day of day of streaming, as long as that choice is there for the audience, that's all I care about. And and Sean brings up a great point about the Yelitsa thing at the Q and A. That's when my mindset really opened up to how lucky. I am to have so many theaters near me to be able to do that. Not everybody has that ability. So Netflix is like this gigantic, global, massive thing that now everybody can experience these stories no matter where they are in the world. If you want to go to a theater, if you're Spielberg or Christopher Nolan and experience it that way, do it. You have the option. So I don't even know why he's... Why would you even come out and say that? Like, there's no point.
0: I'm going to take the argument from the standpoint of a family because it's not going to be Netflix soon. It's going to be Disney Plus, the streaming service. And I can tell you for a family to go to the theater, it's $100 flat. Like, by the time you pay for four tickets and by the time you pay for some food, you're at $100 but if Disney Plus opens with this Lady and the Tramp remake, you know, it's not quite the Lion King. It's not quite Aladdin, but they're, but they're shooting it like a film. And I bet you it's going to be available once that streaming service starts. On a Friday night, if a family can't go, like, of course, they're going to watch something on. They're going to open up the Disney streaming service, which they're now paying for. And they're going to watch it. It's, it's there. It's available. It's so much easier to do a family night when you're home, I understand that, and those films I don't think should necessarily be. If that's also available in theaters, it should not be penalized, and it should be eligible uh, right. to contend for Oscars. Yeah. So Spielberg if it's in
1: theaters. Right. Yeah. That's all. That's that's all we're saying. Like Spielberg, I completely agree with Steven Spielberg that the theatrical experience, there's nothing like it. You can't beat it. I just don't believe that a movie that was that was given a theatrical window like Roma. Should not be eligible for an Oscar, and then what, what was I believe the, the quote or the the story? And I don't want to I don't want to misquote Spielberg. Is that they they deserve Emmys, not Oscars? Is that yeah, is that what I yeah I've read? It, he
2: says it's a TV movie,
1: right? So 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 now here's the here's the thing. I, I I don't know why this movie popped in my mind. Behind the Candelabra, that was an HBO movie, correct? Yes, it was. I don't fantastic. believe that, but did it get a theatrical mo- release? No, no. So that to me. That's an Emmy.
0: That's an and, Emmy. And it that was nominated for an Emmys. Emmys. Right. It was nominated yes.
1: for Emmys. But if, if your movie is playing in movie theaters, you deserve an Oscar nomination. I'm sorry.
0: Do that, you guys that, think, and then we'll move on after this, was Spielberg actually mad that Alfonso won Best Director?
2: I think I don't so. I think so. I
0: think he was. He got Because
2: it was after Roma won all these Oscars that he called the meeting with the right. Academy. It was, it was days after. So he had to be ticked that it won. There, there's no other there's no other reason why the timing ah, works out like that. See, that
0: blows my mind. If that's true, that blows my mind. And we'll never see, know. I don't, we'll, I don't, we'll never know. Here, but I have a question. You, th- you think that, the
1: timing is coincidental, Kevin? No, 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 no. I actually have a question because I don't know the full source of this. So this story blew up so much that it became part of my timeline of people just talking about what Spielberg said. I don't even know what the original source of this is. What is the source of this story?
0: He said in an interview that he is going to meet with the Academy to propose rule changes that films that are made for streaming services, regardless of whether they're in theaters or not.
2: And also keep in mind, like Manchester by the Sea. So it's
0: made for a streaming service. He said this. Yes. He said this. That he's going to propose rule changes.
1: Okay. So um, I, I read I read it as like uh he was going to meet and do these things. I didn't know that he had actually these quotes were on record. Yeah, I thought this was said, like a source saying this. Well, okay, well then yeah. And then, he
0: there was also now these are rumors, and I promise, Gabe, we'll move on. There were rumors that he was very bullish behind the scenes telling people to support Green Book um over Roma well, Green uh, in Book's the best Ambulin. picture. Oh, it's Amblin too?
1: Yeah. So that's why I knew
0: I knew he had some sway in that movie and that and I don't know how many how much sway he had over voters necessarily, but he more viewed Green Book as a traditional theatrical um, classic film that we should support versus this upcoming streaming you know, supported by Netflix, uh, movie like Roma.
1: I'm almost certain Green Book's Amblin, and I'm almost certain Peter fairly thanked Steven Spielberg in his speech when for I Best Picture. Did. Yeah, I, I, I'm almost certain. But yeah, I mean, bottom line here is we are in a new day and age, and you're talking to somebody who is completely an advocate of the theatrical experience, and yeah. I am completely. But every, but Netflix solution. Everyone's happy for this exactly. Netflix literally is meeting everybody halfway. How is that not?
0: How is it not being taken into? Spielberg's I will not be surprised mindset. if Spielberg backtracks on this because I just think but he's on Spielberg the wrong is, side of it. Right
2: now, he's the cinematic equivalent of Clint Eastwood saying, "Get off my lawn."
0: A little bit, yeah, a little bit, and it annoys me that that's the reality. Um, well, we're going to continue to track this story. I'm we sure we still it's gonna love you Steven Spielberg, yes. but we have. But, th- but this if is you're this listening. Is- yeah, but I this know, this why is, I'm a little you be? bit annoyed by you, Stephen. I, no,
1: I think we love you, but I do I, I do, do want to know your friend Scorsese, like like uh, like Jake said, is making a massive film for Netflix. It's going to have a theatrical release. Does that movie deserve an Emmy? I'm so confused by this.
0: I'm going to propose rule changes that Spielberg's no longer a patron saint. How about that? How about that? How
1: dare you? How dare he's, you, sir? He's
0: off Rushmore. He's off the Rushmore. The real blind Rushmore. How dare you? I, yep, I do course. not
1: support that. I do not support that.
0: <laughs> I'm putting up, uh, who can I put up in his place? Paul W.S. Anderson. How about that? Yeah. Resident Evil director Paul W.S. Anderson is taking his place. Anyway, this week in movies. Uh, You've changed. You, got, you guys cannot talk about Triple Frontier. Is that correct? You can.
1: Well, well, here's the thing. I guess we, we'll say we've seen it because yes. right because, because we did the junket for it. You did but the I junket? We, yeah. I, I mean, Jake, I don't know how you...
2: I, I, yeah. So we, here's what I'll we, tell you. Um... We well either way we can't talk about it right now because it is um it is not out yet Tuesday yeah. can and it's you not say out yet. there is an people embargo see it or
0: not can you see, you can't even say whether people should see it or not no
2: well, well here's a, okay here's, here's why for people, <laughs> people are the way and the, and the reason we're not talking has nothing to do with the quality of the film the reason we're not talking is because we were specifically told that the embargo on the film is right. this Friday why that right. doesn't make sense now that I think about it is that the movie comes out in theaters on Wednesday. If we were recording this on Wednesday, right. then, I would, then I would openly talk about it because I think if a movie is in theaters, then it's fair game. Um, but as of now, the movie is neither in theaters nor are we past the embargo. So I will yeah. respect Netflix and not say anything.
1: And, and here's why we're still treading on new territory here because Netflix, this is new, right? I mean, the movie is not hitting streaming until next week. So I wonder if the embargo has something to do with that. I don't know. So well, if it's in I, theaters, it's out there. Once it's open yeah. to the public, there to me, there is no such thing as an embargo. Maybe we heard it wrong. I don't know.
2: No, because uh, we both heard the same thing, and we we neither of us could possibly
1: be wrong. Yeah, that's true.
0: <laughs> well, here's another movie that's not under embargo. The only problem is Kevin's the only one who's seen it. Um, yeah. Captain Marvel. Uh, let's talk about Captain Marvel briefly, and we will save our full discussion for next week when we can all get into it. Um, Kevin. Where do you put it on the... Well, let's just say, should people go see it? Marvel fans? Uh, Casual fans? Yeah, I mean,
1: I've seen the film twice. Uh, I did not love this movie. Mm. Uh, I would say that I liked it, but I did not love it. Uh, There were... Things I had problems with, uh, there were also things that I did love about it. Uh, if I'm speaking positively about it, uh, de-aging of Sam Jackson is incredible. Ben Mendelsohn is amazing. Goose the cat obviously is very good. Um, but a lot of the things I had issues with would probably be delving into a bit of spoiler territory, so I'm not going to go down that route. That's fine. Um, but I, I, it's a film that I feel like when I, when I saw it, i seen it twice. The second time, I, I liked it slightly more than the first time. I'm not in love with Captain Marvel. I, okay. I think I think the movie is fine. Bottom um, half of the of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Say it again. Would it be in the bottom half of the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Probably for me. I mean, I, I, I mean, here's the thing. It's it's not like Thor two bad, um, or I like I think in Thor two is horrible. Thor two <laughs> is pretty bad. Uh, or Incredi- well, Incredible Hulk is still considered MCU, right? That is an yeah. MCU movie. I yes. like I like Incredible Hulk. Fine. Um. Yeah. It's it, it. Captain Marvel is fine. It, it's interesting. I, I always think about it in terms of Rotten Tomatoes because Rotten Tomatoes is, is either fresh or rotten, right? Um. I probably would go semi-fresh, but you can't. Like, I feel like they need. They would need a you middle.
2: buy the tomato if you were at the grocery store if it were sitting there in, a, in the in the stack of other tomatoes? Would you put it in your cart?
1: I mean, I guess. I mean, how much is a tomato? Like a dollar? I, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't I mean, know. I don't cook. Um. <laughs>
0: We are the most out-of-the-loop men on
1: the
2: planet.
0: Here's the Listen thing. Look at that highbrow guy. He's never <laughs> gone short. Ch- How much is a tomato? $7? 8 How much is a tomato? <laughs> no, I, I,
1: I actually do uh, wait, grocery Kevin, I want to ask you but... something.
0: I want to ask you yeah. about this, and I don't think that this will be spoilery. Um, mm. The better MCU movies have really strong directorial touches. Either it's Taika Waititi or the Russos. Does Captain Marvel lack that? Is that one of the things that's missing from it?
1: I think, yeah, there, In my opinion, there's no voice, uh, from the directors in the sense of, like, it didn't feel, like, s- stylized by somebody. Like, I remember seeing, like, Thor 1, Kenneth Branagh did his own touch with, like, the canted angles, mm-hmm. uh, Taika Waititi, as you mentioned, like, did very specific things with music and just the over-the-top dialogue, uh, the Russos are brilliant at just, you know, cutting frames, moving things along quickly, um, uh, Joss Whedon had his own brand of uh, of style and oh, humor. Ryan
0: Coogler, I think the reason Black Panther works for oh, yeah is for Ryan Coogler. Yeah,
1: I mean, it, I, I I really want you two to see. I know Sean and Jake haven't seen it yet, and then I want to have a full discussion next week. I just didn't find the film to be mind-blowingly great i thought it was okay. just fine and, okay. I, and i and yeah i i recommend it because it has great moments and you know marvel makes good you know solid movies but i did not love the film i and there it, were things that i had big issues Endgame. with
0: is it important for people to see it before i'm not
1: i'm not saying i, I, I don't want to yeah i was saying, yeah, I, don't, I don't i don't know yeah, i'm seeing yeah.
0: it in like two hours i don't want to hear anything yeah okay all right, fine. I'm just chomping at the bit. I really want to. I really want to see it. I'm disappointed. My screening is tonight back home, and instead I flew yeah, to Vegas. Yeah, I LA said chomping
2: at the different. bit. Says the guy who. Opted not to see it in order to see something else, which we see can't say. Else. But I know what it is. By the way, you know what's
1: interesting about something like Captain Marvel, though, is like it's like when you think about a movie, and like someone says, "How is the movie?" We live in a day and age now where if you don't love something, right. you automatically hate it, and uh, that's kind of what's going on on the internet. Is like if you have something negative to say about a certain film that everyone is looking forward to, you are somehow. Uh, a hateful person, uh, whatever wow. names they want to call you. And a Captain Marvel, you know, it, it, it's still a film and it's a movie that I had issues with, but it's also a movie that I found great things in as well. So I'm kind of right in the middle with this movie and I thought it was fine. But that will be taken completely out of context. If I tweeted that right now, I would get destroyed. Like, you hate this movie. I don't hate the movie. I don't hate it at all. There's just things I didn't like about
0: it. This one in particular is coming with so much baggage that I don't think is fair to the movie. Um, Mm -hmm. And and that's going to really play into uh, our predictions. So if you guys listened to last week's episode, we had a big Oscar competition. And the embargo Um,
1: lifted today, by the way. Uh, for uh, Captain Marvel, so if you yes. want to read up on it, go to the reviews are all out there. I think they released at nine a.m. You posted one on, on Cinema Blend as well, so
0: go read. Go read yeah. different opinions on it. It, it. They're all out there. And last I checked, it was eighty-five percent fresh. So it's yeah, it's getting positive, but it's not getting like overwhelmingly positive. But yeah, so it's homework fine. for everybody is go see it because next week we're going to talk in depth about it because Jake and I will have seen it, and then Kevin can talk spoilers. Um, before I jump to our uh, bet uh, resolution. We had a question from someone who, this is gonna earn me the E. I hate this, but this is fine. This is worth saying. Because someone who follows us on Twitter. You just said me Twitter. that I can now swear? Yes, you can <laughs> drop all the F bombs you want. Someone who follows us on Twitter who has the this might not get us an E, has the greatest uh, username. It's Get Away From Her, You Bitch, which I uh, think is awesome. That's awesome. And he asks a question that I don't think I know the answer to, but he believes that people might wanna know this. Um, where does the term junket, uh, come from? Like what's the story behind it? Is it originally from the movie industry or not? Do, do either of you guys know, we do these on the regular. Do either of you know why they're called press junkets?
2: I think it's an, I think it goes back. I don't know. I don't know where it comes from, but I think that term has been used for a long time. And I only say that because I literally know someone that did the sound of music junket in Austria. Wow. Uh, what? A, a, what A reporter named Bobby Wygan out of Dallas has got some of the most incredible stories. In fact, she just published a book on Amazon. I don't know her well enough. I'm not like like hawking a book or anything. Um, but it's, <laughs> seriously, she's got truly incredible stories. And and I, she, I, I think I asked her, like, was it referred to as a junket? She's like, oh yeah, even then it was referred to as a But I don't know where it came from. I will tell you a fun story about junkets though. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, if you've ever, here's the deal. If you've ever seen our junket interviews, you know that we all have the posters for the movie behind us for whatever movie we're talking about. That, that idea came from Arnold Schwarzenegger. Who thought really? that the um, that it would focus the interview and make the interview more about the movie you're supposed to be talking about, as opposed to just sitting in a room with someone and essentially having free reign? And if you, if you're cool, you'll talk really kind of talk about the, what the movie is you're supposed to be talking about. But sometimes you have free reign. He came up with the idea of putting the poster for the movie, which dates the interview, and then almost focuses, like, forces you to one way or the other, you're going to get the movie title out there.
0: That's kind of awesome. I love that. Uh, so, no, we don't know the answer to why they're called press junkets. We know we, they have will look, we
2: will look it up and we will have that answer uh, by next episode.
0: Oh, good. I like that. Okay. So, we have to settle our Super Bowl bet. The way that we came up with it is that we're going to guess the domestic weekend opening for Captain Marvel. Uh, Global is going to be too complicated. We're not quite sure about China, and I don't think China's coming later. So, um, Gabe, is there an order? Uh, Jake, go first. Jake, what's uh, your guess? Is,
1: and and for the people who are just tuning in, this is because we did an Oscars bet about how many of the categories we would get right. We somehow we tie. crazily <laughs> all tied for some strange, crazy reason, and now because we it's are us trying to break this. So for people who did not listen to that episode, uh, the winner gets to choose a burger place that we will all go to, and the loser. Pays for all three of us, and the middle person just kind of hangs out. Okay, here's
2: so, what i say.
0: If
1: I'm going first, if one of you assholes does my
2: prediction plus $1, I'm going to quit this freaking podcast.
0: Well, but see, okay. No, yes. Gabe. Wait, Ga- no, is Gabe going to talk? So Gabe, talk, douchey. talk, please. Talk. <laughs> you can't talk. What is the deal? If, we, if we're if we under or what if are we the go rules? Rules? Wait, are we doing Over, prices, right? Are we rules? out? Gabe is also telling me that I called it a Super Bowl bet and not an Oscar bet, which is very I, I,
1: possible. I, I, I corrected you. It's fine. Oh, you did? Um, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. But but yeah, so I guess so Gabe, if you want to nod your
0: head yes or no, uh, the He's rules here something apparently.
1: I think Eight. it should be the closest. Like even if you, you go sent like all
0: your pick in, so stick to those. Oh, I didn't okay.
1: send my I didn't send my number in, Gabe. You don't have my number. Text oh, okay. it in. Okay. Okay. I think I think my point should be whoever is closest.
2: Like it, like if if it's 144 and and you said 145. Then, right. then you should. You're within a million. I agree. You should. I think yeah. it should okay. be. Okay. So
0: over and under doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. Yeah, it's not just Whoever whoever's right. closest. Yeah. I, whoever's like, closest. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's I like that. That's fine. Because the over thing is stupid. Because because that, yeah. that means like that you too. could be
2: in theory you could be ten million off. Not yeah. even though Gabe someone else is not one
0: million. Price is right. Whoever's closest. Okay. All right. Okay. Since, uh,
2: so we're going. We're doing mine.
1: I wait, wait. I didn't text my number to Gabe, and since you guys did, uh, let me go first because that way I don't know your numbers, and he already has your numbers, so that no one's stealing from anybody. Wait, what if his number is my number? Well, it doesn't matter because Gabe already knows the number you sent him. So you, your number's not going to change. Yeah, but then would you, your number have to change? No, 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 no. The point oh, yeah. I'm making is... Can any
0: of us have the same number? No, okay. Can. Yeah, yeah, We can't know. We can't already start with a tie before the competition
2: even started.
1: <laughs> okay, all right. Well, then I'll say my number. Why, why
0: don't you remember. just
2: text your number in right now before we get going? All right. No, well, just then...
0: say it. Just say it. Just say it.
2: I swear to God, right. if he says my number, I quit.
1: I'm going to go... If he says either of our numbers, we're allowed to change in the moment. I'm going to go 130. 130. What? No, that's my number! Is that Is it really, really your number? Yes! Pick a different number! That's my
2: number! That's the whole reason I wanted you to text, Kevin! That's the whole reason!
0: Because I knew you were going to pick you 130. Are, you two are demented. Pick a different number! You're the same person. Oh, okay. Yeah, I swear to God, pretty, if you pick 131, 130, I quit. Jesus, Jesus. 130. That's pretty
1: funny. That's pretty funny, That was the
0: whole reason I wanted you to text, because I knew it. I knew you were going to pick right. my number.
1: All right. Uh, well, I, I I, mean, full disclosure, I did not know Gabe, uh, Jake's number. Um, this is how
0: we tied. Jake, take control of this freaking show, man.
1: <laughs> All right. Uh, wait, wait. Uh, I said 130, right? Yes. You we did. Well, right. I can uh, I'm going to do...
0: 142. Okay. Oh, wow. I say 130. I say 100. Ooh. $100 million. You think we're overestimating? Yeah, I think they're overestimating.
1: Remember, Deadpool 2 made 125 million its opening weekend it as rated R.
0: Don't forget that. Yeah, but it was Deadpool 2. Yeah, but. It's Deadpool 2. Just look at the other origin stories. They don't make a ton of money.
1: That's true. Ant Man opened up less than a hundred, right? I would assume. Um, oh yeah. Even the even I don't even think Cap, Captain sponge did. Yeah, I mean you're you're right, but uh, you know why this one's gonna do better though is because it's the it, it's the movie in between Infinity War and Endgame.
0: Well, we shall see. We should, I might be out of it really I early. I freaking knew it. I, if it starts I freaking doing really well. knew it. You were going to <laughs> take right. my number. That's actually so that's pretty funny. I, I thought I actually for a second
1: because Jake just said one forty four a second ago, so I thought that was his number. That's why I went. That's why I went one thirty. I had I know, no idea really you had fun. chosen one thirty. But there, this movie originally had predictions at like 150, 180, You know, I, the tracking. You see now the predictions for one
0: twenty five to You see the predictions for Endgame. Oh, like two sixty five or something. Highest opening of all time. It's got to get there. I know, Gabe. We're going. Relax. Gabe, Gabe is going to Captain Marvel tonight if we don't go over long. We may keep him here and make him edit. All right. Chivo Blend. This week's blend game, we are celebrating the work of Emmanuel Lubeski. Uh, if you guys tell your story, it's going to have to be really quick because we're going to have to give explanations as to why we love Chivo. Save it for the end. Let's get right to our picks. People played along using hashtag Chivo Blend. Uh, I've been told via the... Um, Show notes that Kevin gets to go first.
1: Kevin! Yeah, I mean, this is... There is a shot in this film that, in my opinion, hmm. is one of the greatest I shots know where you're picking. ...in the history of cinema. Um, it's a shot that every single time I interview anybody who's in this film, I bring it up and re-ask <laughs> them how they did it. I don't care if I've already asked them how they did it. I was interviewing one of the actors at a junket re- uh, last year... For a, a random film, and th- I had them explain it to me again because I still don't fully understand how he pulled this off. Um, it is *Children of Men*. No question. Uh, the shot I'm referring to—I think a lot of people bring up the shot of him walking with the like walking out with the baby, um, which is incredible, I, amazing shot. But I believe there's a stitch in there. I'll, I'll, don't quote me on that. Um, but the shot I'm referring to. The YouTube video will explain everything to you. It's the sequence where they're in the car, the ping-pong ball back and forth with Clive Owen and Julianne Moore, Chiwetel at 4 uh, I believe Chiwetel's driving. Um, and it is this epic, continuous shot that was a rig in a car that was spinning around so much so that the actors in the scene had to duck underneath it and come back up and still remain in character. Um the ping pong ball, by the way, is fully CGI. That was not mm. there, which is just mind-blowing to me. Because um, they're blowing
0: it from one person's mouth to the other.
1: It looks so-Julian Moore there. and uh Clive. Owen. Right? Yeah. And this sequence is disturbing, very heartbreaking. Um every time I, every time I watch it. It's like the guys in the motorcycles, they freak me out. Like, you look, like they're driving and then this fiery car comes down the uh, the side of the hill and and all hell breaks loose. And it is, I remember seeing that movie for the first time and I did not fully appreciate how great that shot was because I was so into the story. And I think that's a, um, uh, a testament to Chivo and Alfonso's teamwork is that they make these things seamless. Like that shot is seamless. I mean, like there's nothing there's nothing pointing out going, "Hey guys, look, it's really cool. We're doing a, we're doing a really cool uh, one shot here. Do you see what we're doing?" There's none of that. It's all it's all serving the purpose of the story. And what that would be like to be in a car as a fiery car came down the mountain and you're in the car, you're holding the only human being who has a, is pregnant in the entire world. I mean, it is but the sheer immersive nature of the way Chivo developed that, that, that rig is just mind blowing to me. And there's just, I I, I don't think I've ever seen a shot so perfectly done that was used so perfectly immersively to tell a story point, but also was just beautifully choreographed i mean you think about those actors that that that's not just the chivo thing the actors were part of the cinematography process chivo had to like have them be part of it with him so you could achieve the shot or achieve the shot so you know you're, you're talking about like you know, it's, it's pretty amazing so children who of directed men. that movie alfonso Cuarón.
0: oh yes yes he what did. podcast
1: was he on recently
0: Oh, he's Wait, on Real Blend. Were you joking? Uh, yeah. Oh, I, yeah, that's yeah that's true. True. I was like, what? <laughs> I just want to talk about Alfonso again, too. Because where Chibo is brilliant, Alfonso is, usually pre- is also being brilliant. Um, Jake, you can. Gravity.
2: Uh, I, whenever I'm looking for cinematography, I'm looking for shots that almost put me side by side by the actor. Um, like, I want to feel what they're feeling um uh whether it's hopes whether it's heartbreak um whether they're in the mud I want to feel like I'm like (laughs) freezing rolling around in the mud with them if it's if it's hot I want to feel like I'm sweating I want them to sort of capture it so that I forget that I'm in a movie theater yeah like if, if there are really cool shots that's awesome and and usually like Kevin said sometimes it'll take me that second take because you know you should be I would think even the directors would argue you should be in the movie first and then notice the really cool stuff um but I felt like Chivo best captured what it is I'm looking for cinematography for uh, in The Revenant. Um, I mm-hmm. mean, I felt like, one, his use of natural light was just absolutely incredible. Um, the fact that just it's some of the most beautiful shots of all time, and they were just there. He just shot them as they were. They didn't have to, to, to force anything to look cool or pretty, as it were. Um, but, I mean, I watched that movie— And like I I shiver, like I'm chilled to the bone. Like you, you are freezing along with these guys. You feel like you're when you're when it's done. You feel like you've rolled around in the mud with them. Like you feel like you got to go, you know, take a shower. You feel like you got to brush like all the twigs and stuff out of your hair. You feel like you got to shave. And I feel like he just he did such an amazing job of submerging us in an environment in a time that is so unfamiliar to us. That I, I, you know, I, I feel like I know what that world feels like as a result of sitting in a dark well, movie theater because of how he And How do he you
0: recreate it. it, right? Like, how do you actually find places on our planet yeah. that aren't overdeveloped to the point yeah. where you could recreate that? It's brilliant. Well, they
1: also had to shoot at very specific times of the day. Yes. Right? My, my thing with the Revenant, which is interesting to me, it, it's funny that Jake says that because to me, the star of the Revenant is Chivo. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't think the storytelling. Yeah, I don't think the story, the storytelling, the Revenant wasn't mind blowing to me. I didn't find this story to be that great. I mean, it's um, a simple revenge. It's favorite. right, but like no, but I, when I look back at the Revenant, though, I think of Chivo's shots. Not, I don't think DiCaprio should have won for that. Yeah, I, I, I agree with I, that. I, I just think the Revenant was a good movie with mind blowingly masterful cinematography. To literally what just Jake just said, I mean that movie is on the ground. What it's like to be there with them, um, and I remember uh, to Jake's credit. Jake asked a great question at the junket, which I, which is, I thought it was interesting about um, asking DiCaprio, which is something about uh, uh, are you acting? How much of what we're seeing on screen is you acting, or or are you just reacting to the environment? Something like that. Um, that that kind of like. Gave me an insight into was well, the Caprio really did I, acting? Did I that ruin much? The, Yeah, yeah. The, the movie no, are you with my jumping question? I'm being serious. Like, 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 if you look at the movie, it's a lot of probably him just really reacting to these surroundings versus I mean, to be fair, like Anyone
2: jumps in having I can, to I can testify to this. Anyone jumps in frozen water, <laughs> you don't have to worry about acting like you're <laughs> right. cold because you're going to be freaking cold. And they right. can probably just shove a camera in your face yeah. and they and then they can they can uh, record it. Yeah, um, but I, just, I question think the cinematography is just uh, just absolutely beautiful. And yes, like part of the bit that everyone was talking about was, oh, it's all natural light. And that's, that's an impressive in and of itself. But um, just, I just thought it was just truly, truly just beautiful, beautiful work. It's, it's a cliche that I've used multiple times in life, and I know I've used it multiple times on this podcast. But it's one of those films that you could just almost take every screenshot, frame it, and put it above your fireplace, and it would be a piece of art.
0: Well, the opening shot is just like the still water with the trees. And as soon as we um, went to go see it, Michelle leaned over and she was like, this is gorgeous. And I had seen it already and I was like, "You brace yourself. It's going to get a lot worse. It's going to get a lot worse. This is not a beautiful movie. Um, When I was looking over uh, Chivo's body of work, I landed on Tree of Life. And I was going to, if I wanted to uh, single out something that he just shot, so beautifully that it's almost like painful to to think about how gifted he is like every one of those still I think his work with Malik is actually really underrated um, and I think it's part of the way that Malik thinks and I think B- B- Malik can describe something to Chivo and Chivo can achieve it <laughs> that maybe a lot of other cinematographers couldn't um, he, could, he can achieve it exactly yeah. but then as I continue to scan down his <laughs> filmography I found a movie that I've discussed on this podcast before that is a top- Oh, so Tree of Life is not your for pick. Me. Uh, no, Tree of Life is not my pick. Um, I picked the birdcage. And I didn't even know that he shot the birdcage, to be honest with you. <laughs> yes, I know. What <laughs> the heck are you talking you guys about? are stunned that the I chose the birdcage. Cage.
2: Kevin, why didn't but, you and I but, both, for people at home- Kevin and I but. just weirdly enough did the did the same
1: thing where we, we pulled back and looked behind us for some strange reason. That movie and, is- and I don't know why yes. we both did that. Birdcage yes. is a is a finely shot
0: film, but what are you talking no. about? Listen, here's the thing. I love that. You gotta that sell
2: movie.
1: this
0: hard, brother. I love that movie. I, I love do everything. I? it's
2: it's of it's probably my all-time favorite comedy. It's a great movie. I think movie. that movie is
0: fantastic. But I never thought about how good it looked and how inviting the and warm the visuals are how the club scenes differ from the apartment scenes differ from the Miami scenes and it's it's one of those movies now that I realize during formative time while watching it I knew I loved it but didn't realize all the craft that's going into it right because when you just think about Birdcage you think of the performance you think of Nathan Lane you think of Robin Williams but when you start to pick it apart, like why it works as well as it does, it's Mike Nichols' direction, obviously, uh, the way he moves things along. And it's the way that Chivo shot it. It's shot so beautifully. Um, and it's, it's, again, it's his cinematography contributing to the mood of the scenes and bringing out, whether it's humor or whether it's deep emotion, um, it's all coming out through the visuals of the movie. And I think Chivo does that in all of his films. And I think a lot of the ones that you guys pick, singled out are absolute showstoppers. Like they show him at the top of his craft. But that to me, it's it's subtle. It's a it's one of my favorite films of all time. And I had no idea he shot it until I looked at his resume for this. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, Oh, of course he shot it. It's it's beautiful. It looks great. And so I went with favorite, and I picked and I picked the Burkage. Mm-hmm.
1: Have you heard about what um, Nathan Lane's favorite um, movie of all time is, or favorite oh, no. actor? Uh, you know Nathan Lane's favorite actor of all time. I
0: don't know what it is. What is it? is. What is it? Who is it? Nathan
1: Lane's favorite actor yeah. is the bird Nicholas Cage. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, I, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, do, do you know? <laughs> uh, do you know? Uh, um, oh no! Yeah, you guys know I have a hard out, right? <laughs> yes, you guys know I'm going to see Captain Marvel Did you guys, did you guys hear about uh, Ben Mendelsohn's choice for um,
0: Chivo Blend? No. What did he pick? Children of Mendelssohn. All right, then let's end on that one. That's a good one to end on. Uh, I do wish that you guys had a visual of Kevin and Jake looking around <laughs> as if I was pranking them when I picked the birdcage. But if people, so, I don't know why we both before, did that. You both did it. It was actually kind of fun to watch. Uh, audience picks: Carrie Ellen Case said Birdman, which I think is interesting. I almost went with this one. Patrick Knight says his best is gravity, but his personal favorite is Burn After Reading. Burn After Reading is another one that looks so distinct and it feeds into what the Coens want and that's what Chivo does. He serves I didn't the I he shot that. I thought that was yeah. Deacons. I just figured shot, it was Deacons. He shot Burn After Reading and then Arthur Mingo and a, a bunch of other people said this on Twitter, Sleepy Hollow. Sleepy Hollow is... Sleepy oh, Hollow. I actually man. seriously
1: considered that. That's a yeah. great one. Seriously oh, I, considered. He... Is he... Who is better? Deacons or or Chivo? <sighs> no. I just got Gabe all fired up. He's like, "Extra 10 minutes, Kevin. Go." Come on, come uh, on. I, I got to give it to Deacons. I think man. it's
0: I think it's Deacons.
1: Uh, see? After everything you've just mentioned, yeah. I mean, here's here, here's where you could end this argument in one movie. Wow. Jesse James. Yeah. Yeah. Good yeah. Now honestly, when, when you asked
2: that question, my first thought was Jesse James, the train sequence. You just end the, you end the argument with
1: Jesse James.
0: Do you know what movie I went to cuz I was convinced Chivo shot it, but he didn't. Is the Fountain. And it's Matthew oh, Libatique.
1: Libatique. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's yeah. who also shot Venom. And, 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 born. and Star Sport. You could is have say Star Sport. Did you lead with
0: Venom? Don't say Venom. <laughs> he does not want you to say Venom. And I'm sure he got paid handsomely to do it. He does not want you to say Venom.
1: By the Please. way, did did you guys watch the Stars Born uh, making a featurette yet on the Blu Ray?
0: No, no, do i Do not you know that? To.
1: Do you know that Lars Ulrich from Metallica? This is not this is not a joke. Lars Ulrich or Lars Ulrich went out on stage and shot some of those sequences of Bradley Cooper with did Matthew McTeague. Really? Yeah, he's like no one of the cameramen on one of the Isn't shots. Really? That's pretty It's awesome. actually really cool. And because that's the whole full circle of Bradley Cooper being on stage with, with Metallica, that's how he came up with the idea to shoot Starsborn. But there is a scene in the film, I want to say it's the Glastonbury sequence, where he, Lars Ulrich, is one of the cameras on that stage shooting that scene. It's pretty cool.
0: Oh my God, Gabe just reminded me. Yes. Do you know who else he shot? Uh, Chivo shot Cat in the Hat. The Cat in the Hat with Mike Myers. Oh. Yes. <laughs> Kevin, <Kevin's face. laughs> uh, Oh. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, that's why Deacons wins. I'm sorry, Chivo. We love you, but uh you didn't, you, you shouldn't have shot Cat in the Hat.
1: Wait, wait, All Deacons right. shot Cat in the Hat? No, Chivo did. Oh, it's Deacons then. Okay, I Chivo changed my pick. Yeah. in the Hat. Yes. <laughs> I don't, honestly, you could make a legitimate argument that Chivo's the better one. I don't, they're, they're both... That's that's tough, man. That's a it's really a tough one. And it, I mean, you, for you, next you, we gotta do cinematographer blend and pick well, our favorite ne- cinematographer.
0: Well, you can potentially consider that for next week um, because we discussed this on the podcast, and I think some people even suggested it on social media. We're blowing out the doors and going uh, in a million different directions to play hashtag shot blend. Your favorite oh! shot of all time. Uh, and one shot. To, one shot could be from any film. Oh, God. Give it your This thought. is one of I, the best ones we've ever done. I started thinking about it today, and I can't. I can't yet. I just can't.
1: I oh mean, you God. could make an
0: argument for so many movies. So start thinking uh, about it. Hashtag shot blend. We will get back together and, and discuss that next week. Gabe is telling me that I need to mention um, – A meetup that we've been teasing uh, that we want people to start getting on their calendars because the Real Blend guys are going to be doing something on April 13th uh, in Chicago. The place and time are going to be TBD right now. We're going to put a link up on social very soon. Um, But we wanted everybody to have Chicago April 13th on their calendars (laughs) for a Real Blend meetup uh, and so if you're in the Illinois area or anywhere around Chicago or can get down to there, um, we're gonna try to find a place where we can host all the blenders on April 13th, which I believe is a Saturday, 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 April 13th. Um, so put on your calendar. If you need to get more details or have questions and wanna hit us up, we're at realblend at cinemablend.com. It's a good email. Uh, one of us from the show will get back to you for that. So we'll be back next week. Uh, we have hard outs, We're running to movies. Uh, next week we'll get in-depth discussion about Captain Marvel, um, probably some more discussion on the Netflix Netflix Spielberg thing if there's any developments and um, maybe some more on Nolan. So Jake is at at Jake's takes. Kevin's at Kevin McCarthy TV. Oh God, Kevin, you are getting pummeled by politicians lately. Is that no. your everyday thing or is this just like is it just like a lot more now? That's his
1: mom. Yeah, those are all my mom. Every one of them is my mom. Every one she of them. She is no, brutal. She's relentless. I'm. I'm not even retweeting the, the bad ones. You guys are just Man. seeing like the. You guys are just seeing like the 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 lighter ones. Like there's some there's You're some getting. real. I get some real <laughs> nasty things. Well, um, that are directed for another person named Kevin McCarthy, not myself. Yes. But uh,
0: yeah, at Kevin so. McCarthy TV. I'm at Sean underscore O'Connell. Of course, follow us along at at Real Blend. We'll be back next week. Uh, until then, Dunkirk.